What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Brainy. This is my second episode today. Just did my Christmas special. Uh, that was all Christmas, though. It was all holidays. Now it's the new year. All right, time to get into 2020. 2019 was great. I'm going to do a 2020 preview probably in the next week or so, but today is all about what 2019 was about. I want to get into that. I want to get into all the best of, the worst of, all that crap. Um, I got a special guest coming on this episode. He wasn't on the last episode because of availability. He will be on today's episode. He, uh, I will not introduce his name until he is actually on because I don't want to get burned totally by a no-show, but uh Anyway, uh, I'm going to get right into this episode because we got a lot to get to. Number one, and I want to get this out of the way because it sucks. Browns fired F- Freddie Kitchens, and they fired John Dorsey, and they went 6-10. and 10, And this year sucked. Was this year worse than 0-16? No. Nothing is worse than going winless because literally the Browns came off of a one-win season hoping to just do anything but that. Our coach guarantees us we weren't going 1-15 again. And then we spend this whole offseason hoping that we're at least building something good. And then it's nothing. And we go 0-16. And that's a whole other offseason. And just not winning games. It's too much. With that being said, this was... And it, it, the lows of this season were unbelievable. And it's it's just crazy how many things went wrong and how many off-field distractions there were. And I'm not going to put all that on Freddie Kitchens. I'm not even going to put all of it on John Dorsey. It's just this is what you get when you have this many big names and big personalities. The Browns failed to live up to expectations this year. That's the bottom line. They got worse from last year. And I didn't think it would happen. And and the people that said they thought it would happen, their only evidence was the Browns are going to brown. Like that that's that's all they said that was gonna happen. They were like they didn't say, Oh, their tackle play wasn't good. That's what actually I said. But we're gonna get to we're gonna get to predictions in an in the post football postseason podcast. So I'm I'm not gonna go through all my predictions. But we did know that tackles could be a problem. We did know that Freddie could be a problem. And uh look, those two things did end up becoming a problem because injuries hurt the Browns, but it didn't hurt the Browns as much as other things hurt the Browns. I mean, the fact that, like, Rashard Higgins couldn't see the field, that was, like, the 50th biggest headline this year. Like, like literally, I can think of so many other big headlines other than Rashard Higgins doesn't see the field. And it's like, yeah, well, that should be one of our biggest concerns. You know, we all forget we traded Duke Johnson this season. It's like, it, th- that feels like a decade ago. And that happened this year we traded Duke Johnson. Regardless, it was a frustrating year, and the Browns are in another head coaching search, which feels like this happens every January. Um, it happened last January, and we thought we had the guy, Freddie Kitchens, but turns out he wasn't who we thought he was. Okay, And John Dorsey, he was who we thought he was. We just thought he'd have a little bit more of a leash because he took a team that was winless and grabbed some talent, made them a seven-win team, and then grabbed some more talent, but hired the wrong guy, and they got slightly worse. Hiring the right guy puts us in a position to make the playoffs. That's it's as true as 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 whatever. Like that's all it takes. We just need to hire the right guy to be the head coach of this football team. But John Dorsey apparently wasn't going to be a part of this process. 
and they didn't want the Haslam's didn't want John messing up this hire again. So they said, "Listen, we're going to be hiring the coach, and he's going to have final say over the guys who dress." And John didn't like that, so they mutually decided to part ways. This doesn't help the Browns, but at the same time, it could help the Browns. We need to be in lockstep, and there are some people that are saying that the Haslam's, you know, are actually getting better. Um, I, I am done. I'm done with the optimism. All right, I love the Browns. They're still my favorite team. They're still the team I hate the most, though, too. And I just, I can't be the optimist all the time. It's like I, I, it, I can't do it anymore because I've stood by their side so many times with blind faith, and I just don't have it in me. I am going to go to the season home opener. I'm probably going to find another game to go to. They come to Met, uh, uh, Meadowlands twice this year. Probably going to go to both of those if uh, the schedule works. So I'm not giving up on the Browns. I'm just not giving them my optimism anymore. No matter who they hire, I'm going to say, well, we thought we had it all last year. And it came plunging down. I you know, I thought we'd go 10-6. and six. I thought 9-7 and seven was, was more realistic. I thought 11-5 and five was a bit of a stretch. But I, I thought 10-6 and six would happen. We went 6-10, and 10, including losing the last three. And I just... I, they don't deserve my optimism anymore. You have to get it fucking right. So go hire a, an adult, a head coach. And I, I, I feel bad for Freddie. He was trying his best. He was obviously doing what he thought worked, but he wasn't the right guy for the hire. And that's why John Dorsey lost his job because it seemed like he just said, we're going to hire the guy that gets us the best pub and someone I can kind of manipulate. And it all went sour from there. So we needed John out because that was toxic. And we needed Freddie out because he didn't know what he was doing. So we're back to the drawing board. And I don't know who the GM's going to be. Andrew Barry makes sense. We bring him back because we're obviously listening to Paul D. Podesta a lot. He's, he's the man behind the curtain making all these strings. So might as well get guys that he wants in the front office. Andrew Barry makes a lot of sense. Um, Elliot Wolf, maybe he makes a lot of sense. But to be honest, I don't really know who the best hire is at this time for the GM position. If we bring in a Josh McDaniels guy, he's going to want his own guy, like a Nick Casario. If we bring in Kevin Stefanski from uh, the Vikings as our head coach, that does play well to um, y- you know the current list of guys we have. So maybe Stefanski's the right guy. You know he's he's got as much he's got <laughs> a, just as much head coaching experience as Freddie had, and he has just a little bit more offensive uh, coordinating experience than Freddie had at this point. So it's not like we're getting someone who's a grown-up, who makes sense and stuff, but this is someone that Minnesota's not going to want to lose and someone that Paul Depot wants. So in that regards, I do want Stefanski, but I do see the problems with hiring him and that it's not getting a head coaching experience guy. Uh, Urban's another one. Urban Meyer, he he could possibly get the job. I don't see it happening because they want NFL experience, and I think that's fine. Um, I think that's a good qualification to have. Urban, I know he's a great coach. Uh, a lot of drama follows him. He'll leave because of health reasons in a couple years if he doesn't get fired before then. So I don't know. I could see it going really wrong with Urban, but then again, what do I know? I liked the Hugh Jackson hire. I liked the Freddie Kitchens hire. 
I didn't like the Petten hire, and he seemed to be the best one of the bunch. So, like, I'm not going to try and convince myself that I'm right or wrong on the head coach. I'm just going to lay out the facts. Mike McCarthy had a really good record with the Packers. He had some bad seasons and uh, offensive, you know, stallouts towards the end of it. But in terms of a head coach, guy's a good guy. And he's been able to, apparently Aaron Rodgers was very difficult as a young quarterback and I don't think Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback he is today without Mike McCarthy kind of molding him. So maybe Mike McCarthy is the right guy for Baker Mayfield, and we can just get an offensive genius to come in and be the coordinator, and he can focus on you know the buddy-buddy stuff with Baker, the drawing up plays for our superstars, and just have somebody just focus on that crap while Mike McCarthy focuses on the locker room and just says, hey, we're going to have this team ready to roll. We're going to be lined up fucking right every play. We're not going to get the play in with uh, 12 seconds left on the shot clock or play clock. We're going to have this shit down and ready to roll. And that's what we need. We need a grown-up who's going to go in and just call the shots as it is. And then we need an offensive coordinator that's going to be the mad scientist, evil genius type that concocts a lot of stuff and plays Baker to his strengths. That's in my opinion, the best bet. Um, but I don't know how you do that because if you're going to be hiring that type of offensive coordinator, he's likely not going to be a current offensive coordinator. He's going to be an assistant somewhere. And the head coach you're going to hire is either a coordinator or a fired ex-coach. So if we're going that route, I like McCarthy and I like um, Mike McDaniel from San Francisco, not Josh McDaniels, Mike McDaniel. Uh, he seems to be a very innovative young head coach and or uh, assistant coach, and I think that would be a good route if we wanted to go that for offensive coordinator. And if we just wanted to get like the best possible hire, maybe it's Stefanski, but I just could see that not working out. Josh McDaniels is also one that I could see it not working out, but I also see the positives of bringing him in. Uh, those seem to be the three candidates right now. I don't think Biennemi is a, a real candidate. Uh, because he doesn't call plays as an offensive coordinator, and I don't know if that's going to work out. Um, Matt Rule is done. Urban, I don't see as being real. Uh, I don't see any of the college head coaches, frankly, being a realistic, because after the Haslam said they wanted uh, head coaching experience, or they wanted NFL experience. So uh, that's why I think uh, those three, McCarthy, McDaniels, uh, and Stefanski seem to be the leaders in the clubhouse, but we'll see. It's another January in Cleveland. Uh, the Browns fans, you know, we don't deserve this. And frankly, the Browns, they don't deserve our support like they've gotten. So I think uh, something needs to be done. And and it's just going to be a sucky offseason because every time I hear, you know, tweets about like, oh, check out this one-handed grab by OBJ. And we're like, I don't care anymore. You know, last year I was getting excited about this crap. I was getting so excited in the offseason, and I was so pumped up, ready to roll, and they laid the biggest egg turd ever on week one against the Titans, and I was there for it. And then every win outside of the Baltimore one was like a letdown. Like, okay, we beat the Jets, but they're on their third-string quarterback in week two. And I was like, all right, we beat the Ravens after that. That was great. But then we got shellacked by San Francisco, and then we blew a game against Seattle, and then we uh, played crappy against New England and Denver, and by then it was like, well, we're 2-6, and six, so you tell me, you know? 
and then it was like, okay, we got we got some wins after that, right? We beat Cincinnati and Miami. Hard to get up for wins like that. We beat Buffalo. That one felt pretty good, but it was all we were already behind the eight ball. We beat the Steelers. That was supposed to be our shining moment of the year, and instead, Miles Garrett ruined it. He just straight up ruined the win. We still won the game, and it didn't take away one from the column, but missing Miles Garrett for the last six games of the season was huge, and it caused the Steelers to beat us when we're up ten nothing in the second game. And Duck Hodges came back against us. Oh, this season was atrocious. It was forgettable and embarrassing. And frankly, I don't know. They don't deserve my uh, my unbiased optimism again until they prove it on the field. Until they go three and one and say, "Hey, we are actually winning football games now." And I'll say, "Okay, great." You know, I'm gonna go assuming they lose week one. I don't care who they're playing. We know they're we don't know the schedule yet, but we know their opponents. And frankly, I want it to be a really good team that we're not gonna beat any week of the season because I don't want to waste week one against the Redskins because we're gonna lose that game. We're gonna lose week one. So might as well make it a team we're gonna lose to any week of the season. So who do we play next year that's really great? We play the NFC East. No one in that division is really great. So don't make it any of those teams. We can beat anybody in that one if, if we're actually a good football team. Um, I don't know. AFC South we're playing. So like Colts, Texans, Titans, they're all pretty good. Uh, might as well make it the Ravens and just get blown out at home by the Ravens in week one or whatever we usually do. Uh, just, yeah. We're going to be on one. It's 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 upsetting. I'm not going to give uh, any of the people that really want to see me upset like the benefit of the doubt. They're going to be like, "Hey, what do you think about the Browns? Get up about the Browns." I'm like, "No, uh, no, they don't deserve it. They don't." So, Browns, your move. Go hire some adults and start playing like an actual franchise. And Haslam's, stop getting it fucking wrong. Like we're tired of it. So, okay, that's it on the Browns. That's that's my Browns rant today. I'm, I'm not going to do this forever. We've got a great show, okay? The Golden Globes are tonight, and I've got my own predictions for, uh, you know, this year in movies and televisions, but I'm not exactly feeling the same Globes that, like, uh, that they have because I don't agree with all the nominees and I didn't see all the nominees. However, I saw a ton of movies this year. I saw a ton of shows this year and I've got my own awards. So the Jakey's, the 2019 awards. All right. That begins right now. Now, I, I, I have different categories. It's gonna this is gonna be kind of like a uh, like a, a rough go of it because I've never done this before, but we're gonna we're gonna see how it goes. All right. So in television, the best new show, I have I have two categories. I have drama, Chernobyl, Euphoria, Watchmen, The Mandalorian, and Haunting of Hill House. Okay. The Witcher just missed this because I didn't finish The Witcher yet, but I don't think it was gonna be nominated for best new show drama anyway. Um, in this category. This was great. I uh, I really enjoyed all of these. Uh, Hill House does not win, but it gets a nice nomination. Mandalorian does also does not win for Best New Show, but I did really enjoy this, and I liked that I didn't binge it and that they came out week by week. Uh, the last three candidates, Watchmen, Euphoria, and Chernobyl, all HBO. 
So congratulations to HBO on getting the three finalists for best new show in a drama series. Uh, Especially in a year where Veep and Silicon Valley and Game of Thrones were all leaving television, they hammer out three new big shows. Euphoria was close. They did not win best new show drama. That could be in the... Actually, that's in the comedy category. No, it's not. It's in drama. Uh, So it came down to Watchmen versus Chernobyl. And... This was really tough. It was a tough decision for me. But just the way that Watchmen ended, I gave it to Watchmen. I thought, wow, this show, they really did uh, figure it out. Like it, for Early on, I was like, I don't know what's going on here. And it was hard to follow. But the way they tied it all back together, I was like, this show is phenomenal. And I really hope they bring it back. Chernobyl was great, too. It was awesome. Um, it was just there wasn't a lot of information there because... It was like it happened about this one event, and it was basically just everyone dying afterwards. Um, but it was really well done, and it was phenomenal. I feel like if there was a little bit more substance there, uh, and it's not that there was lacking substance. It was just, you know, it was it was number two. It was number two to my number one of Watchmen. So, okay, best new show comedy, uh, Righteous Gemstones. I think you should leave. Dead to Me and The Boys. Okay, uh, this one. Another great category. Another one where uh, HBO had one in the finals. Uh, Netflix brought Dead to Me and I Think You Should Leave. And The Boys from Amazon Prime. Well done, Amazon Prime. Uh, This did come down to Righteous Gemstones versus The Boys. Uh, I really liked The Boys. It, It was hard to figure out what category it belongs in. But in terms of what season I'm really looking forward to next year, uh, it's right up there for one of my favorites. Uh, however, this season alone, Righteous Gemstones was absolutely phenomenal. And it was one of the best shows I watched all year. Uh, so best new comedy, Righteous Gemstones. So far, HBO cleaning up. Best recurring show. So this one, you know, it, it's it's a weird category, right? Like this isn't really, uh, you know, I'm just creating this category this is where we bring in things where it's you know the same show over and over and over and over again uh we got hard knocks with the raiders bachelor in paradise bachelorette the bachelor uh stranger things and american horror story uh this one by a very large margin goes to the bachelor with uh colton this year um and mainly because of the way it all wrapped up one of the best episodes of television i've ever seen was him and cassie and that whole like scene when they you know in the final three uh that was unbelievable and it it definitely deserves best recurring show for the jakey good job best overall season now this is any show we watched whether it was new whether it was oh no, no no i'm sorry i got one more um, before we go into that, uh, best new to the Jake show. These are new shows that I watched. They might not be new on television, but they were new to me. Uh, QB one blue planet, the last kingdom, Narcos handmaid's tale and man in the high castle. All shows that have been around, but I only watched this year. Um, if you know me, you know, this actually isn't going to be much of a, uh, of an argument. It's Blue Planet. I loved Blue Planet. It's my constant background on the TV show. Uh, I love to to keep it on there as like ambiance and on a nice big flat screen TV. It is very pretty to look at. Okay, um, the best finale. Okay, best finale season. We had Veep, 
Game of Thrones, Orange is the New Black, Crashing, and Easy. Uh, to me, this was actually an easy decision because of those final seasons, I only really liked one, and that was Veep. Uh, Veep has always been good. Their final episode was great. I thought they really nailed their finale, and uh, I, I think they, they did a good job, whereas Game of Thrones, I didn't like what they did. I think they rushed a lot, and I think uh, they could have really changed up some things in that final season, and they have a lot of just very obvious questions that was like, wait, how did she not see the ships that were about to kill her and her dragons? Um, and, you know, when she turned, it was like, you know... I could have used more uh, examples going up to that. I know people say, oh, she's the Mad King's daughter. <coughs> Excuse me. Regardless, I had problems with Game of Thrones like a lot of people did. And uh, Veep, I thought, was just a, a good, safe choice there. Okay. Um, next up, we have the best overall season. These were the best episode, the best shows we saw this year, uh, leading with Shit's Creek, Last Chance You, Jack Ryan season two, Succession seasons one and two because I watched both of them this year, and Mindhunter season two. Okay, this was a really tough one to pick because I thought Mindhunter is one of my favorite shows on TV. Um, Boy, it, it was a really tough one to pick, and this and and this also includes you know the shows that won for other categories. Uh, Righteous Gemstones was close, Watchmen was close, uh, but for this one, this really came down to Succession, Jack Ryan, and Mindhunter. And to be honest, it it is splitting hairs because Mindhunter was great, and, and you know and and really followed up another great season one. Uh, Jack Ryan, I think, was even better this year than it was last year. However, that being said, Succession has become my like must-watch TV show. And I didn't think it would. I didn't see this coming. But Succession, Season 2, Best Overall Season, wins the Jakey Award. Uh, great job. Congratulations to everybody involved with Succession. Um, not applicable for this year, uh, sad to say it, but didn't get to watch everything. Westworld, True Detective, Big Little Lies, Marvelous Miss Maisel, Barry, Silicon Valley. You guys, I'm sorry, didn't get to you this year. Hopefully, uh, better luck in 2020. Uh, with that being said, it was a great year in television. Uh, very happy with what HBO is bringing to the table recently and uh, really excited to see them going forward. So, uh, okay, so moving on to, oh, and also I did a special one for best overall episode. The Secession Season 2 finale, Jack Ryan Episode 5, Euphoria Episode 3, Gemstones Episode 1, all were great episodes in this year's television, but... The best overall episode of any television show was the Bachelor, Colton, and Cassie blow-up episode. I've never been that glued to the TV in my life. Maybe Lost or Game of Thrones or Sopranos had me uh, slightly more than that. But the whole Cassie and Colton blow-up was absolute must-watch TV. And it wins best episode by a landslide and i'm actually missing a lot of episodes for that should be nominated but i just don't care because it, it was that big of a, a deal that it doesn't even matter okay so um 
Also want to give a shout out, best streaming service, Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, Amazon Prime, and HBO Go. Now, uh, Disney+, Plus, you're new to the block, didn't really win this one because you've only been around since November 12th, but uh, you will definitely get your hand in the mix next year, especially when I'm going to have those Marvel cravings and everything to watch next year. I, I think Disney+, Plus will bring it. Um, Hulu. Hulu's great. I use it for TV, but in terms of streaming services, I don't know if it reaches the heights of the other ones. Uh, Netflix, still really great. They brought a couple new shows like The Witcher and I Think You Should Leave. Um, they, they have a couple original movies that bombed, so not going to win. HBO Go versus Amazon Prime. Uh, Prime does have a lot of there, lot there. You can buy a lot, so I get that. But in, but if we're talking streaming services, it's HBO Go. They brought together some of the best TV shows this season, so I absolutely pull for HBO Go to win the Jakey in 2019 for best streaming service. Um, all right, so that's enough for TV. For movie, saw a lot of movies this year. A lot of movies this year. So special shout-outs to the best ones. Knives Out, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, Avengers Endgame, Jojo Rabbit, John Wick 3, El Camino, Breaking Bad Story, The Joker, Us, Ford v. Ferrari, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Zombieland, Free Solo, Hustlers, Godzilla King of the Monsters, Ad Astra, Blinded by the Light, Yesterday, Rocketman, Spider-Man Far From Home, Shazam, Captain Marvel, and The Mule. This year was chock full of great movies. Uh, had a lot in theaters that I loved. Got a couple streaming at home that were great too. Uh... In terms of what the best movie and what the favorite movies of the year were, again, those are actually different. Like awards we're handing out, you know, those those aren't the same thing. So I will give awards for each. The nominees for best movie of the year: Knives Out, Jojo Rabbit, Ford v. Ferrari, Avengers Endgame, Joker, and Rocketman. Now, some of you are probably thinking, wow, those are some big timers. And yes, it didn't include some big timers as well, because you heard my grades this year. The award, the Jakey, for the best movie of the year, goes to Jojo Rabbit. I thought it was amazing. You heard my review of Jojo Rabbit. I did think it was the best movie of the year. It was really close with Knives Out. It was really close with Ford v. Ferrari. Those were two great movies. Um, Jojo Rabbit, though, I just thought... It was just done so perfectly, and uh, it was like a beautiful movie to shoot. Uh, they constantly had me on like the edge of my seat. Great movie. 
no complaints. Okay. Favorite movie of the year. Jojo Rabbit. Knives Out. Crazy Rich Asians. Avengers Endgame. The Lighthouse. John Wick 3. Ford vs. Ferrari. Zombieland. Joker. But the winner for favorite movie of the year, and this shouldn't be much of a surprise, is Avenger Endgame. Uh, I mean, guys, look. If you're not into the Marvel scene, I get it. Like, it's a lot to pick up. This was a culmination of 22 movies. You know? And that's why it wins movie of the year. They were able to tie in so well. And this goes back to Infinity War 2. They were able to tie in all of these movies. And it ended in such a beautiful piece of work in Endgame that I just it's my favorite. It's my favorite because of what it represented. I thought Star Wars was actually going to be close, like early this summer. What an idiot. Star Wars was such a letdown. And Avengers was unbelievable. Like what they were able to do throughout all these movies and bring everything together and how they ended this one. Like, it, I honestly, like, if you didn't watch all these movies, it's just not for you. And this review isn't for you. But Avengers Endgame, favorite of the movie of the year. Congratulations. Um, and then, again, Jojo Rabbit for best movie of the year. Congratulations as well. Uh, the Big congrats in order because that was, what a year in film. What a year in movies. I mean... It, it just just phenomenal stuff. So, uh, congratulations to all those involved. Now, for actors, I want to give out a shout out to actors for best of the year. Um, I there were some great performances all to all around for best actor overall. Um, oh, I I, I almost forgot. Marriage Story was nominated in all of those, in both best and favorite. Marriage Story was up there. Now. I, at the time, had it with the best grade of the year. But in terms of best movie, uh, Jojo Rabbit just beat it out. Uh, so Marriage Story was up there. I, I, I don't want to forget about that because the acting was so good. But in terms of just all the film all together, uh, Jojo Rabbit did slightly edge it out. I'm so sorry for forgetting that, them for a second. But for best actor, I've got Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Leo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Keanu Reeves for John Wick 3. Yes. And Robert Pattinson for Lighthouse. Now, uh, great, great candidates all around. Uh, I, I could I could see any one of them winning this award. However, in my mind, uh, Joaquin Phoenix really put together a exceptional performance and uh, I, I think it really came down to him versus Adam Driver, who, I, I mean, I think his acting chops are just phenomenal, and he's great. But I'm going to give this one to Joaquin Phoenix. It was, a, it was a tight race. It was a really tight race. And I think Adam Driver should get some hardware this award season. Uh, but for this one, it was, it was Joaquin Phoenix. And for Best Actress, let me make this really quick. It's Scarlett Johansson. Uh I mean, she had a good year. She put down a couple of good movies. Uh, she was in Jojo Rabbit, which I gave best movie, uh, which barely beat Marriage Story, another movie she was in. And favorite movie was Avengers Endgame. Three movies she was in. Congratulations to ScarJo. She was the best actor of this year for her performance in Marriage Story, which was 
insane. Uh, the still shots in the, or not still shots, the long shots in those movies that constantly had them just on screen was dynamite, absolute dynamite. And uh, I think she deserves all the awards her way this year. And big year next year, 2020, bringing Black Widow back to the big screen. So uh, congrats to ScarJo, who kind of won this one uh, running away. So anyway, those are my uh, my 2020 or 2019 Jakeys. Um, actually, I, I need to give out a Best Actor and Best Actress for, uh, for like, t television. And, you know, to me, there were a lot of different, you know, avenues I could have gone. I really liked the way that John Krasinski, uh, you know, in... Um, uh, whatchamacallit, and Jack Ryan. I think he's great in that. And I think Wendell Pierce is a really good supporting actor in that one. Uh, I do think Regina King in Watchmen is phenomenal. Uh, I, but, you know, they, they don't ask a lot of her, which I think they could, could do more. Um, and, uh, you, you know, shout out to Superman. What's his face? I forget. In, in The Witcher... I think he's doing a pretty good job there. Um, oh man, I, I feel bad that I forget. I'm brain dead, guys. I'm sorry. It's been I've done two podcasts back to back, and uh, I'm I'm losing my voice and uh, losing my memory. But Henry Cavill for The Witcher. Uh, so a lot of good, a lot of good choices this year. Uh, I I think uh, it comes down to a couple of the award winning shows. My best actor of the year goes to Jeremy Strong from Succession. My best supporting actor of the year goes to... Oh, man, this was really tough. This this one was tough. But I'm going to go to... What is his name? Will Harris from Chernobyl. Uh, and then when it comes to actresses... That's tough. Best actress... I'm giving to uh, Zendaya. I thought Zendaya was phenomenal. And uh, for Best Supporting Actress, hmm. that one was a little bit tighter. But, uh, you know, for uh, I thought, what's her face? Oh, man. Crap. I'm losing it, guys. Uh The, the show is... Wow. Really losing it. Sorry about that. For Best Supporting Actress, I'm going to Dead to Me. And uh, and in that, Linda Cardellini. Thank you. Very sorry about that. Linda Cardellini for uh, Best Supporting Actress. So, Linda Cardellini wins Best Supporting Actress. Uh, Zendaya, Best Actress. And then Will Harris for Best Supporting Actor. And... Uh, Jeremy Strong for Best Actor in Television. So, yeah. yeah, Congratulations to those four. And, you know, not all of them were even nominated in, for their shows, which makes this, you know, that's why that's why the Jakeys are special. You know, you get people that might have not been... Oh, I'm sorry, it's not Will Harris, it's Jared Harris. That that made me feel idiotic. But Jared Harris, he, he deserved that. Um, uh, yeah. A great year in television, great year in movies, and the fact that you know Jeremy Strong didn't get a sniff for Best Actor. Um, I even looked at Adam Devine uh, from 
from Righteous Gemstones, as I thought he was a, a great character this year, and he did a great job. Uh, but sharing the love a little bit by giving it to a couple different shows, uh, which I thought were great. I, I really did. I thought this was an exceptional year in television, an exceptional year in movies, and the 2019 Jakeys. That, that is final. All right, so enough on the Jakey's 2019 awards. I'm sorry I got a little lightheaded, a little tired there. Throat was hurting a little bit, but uh, took a little break, and we're back now. Uh, but, yeah, some great awards this year. It was just such a great year in television and movies. I know I say that every year, and I've said that a lot on this podcast, but I really do feel that, and I felt like this was just, uh, you know, like the quality that you're getting is just getting better and better, and I think that's because of the competition. You know, you realize, like, you can't just put out shit and people will watch it. Sorry, ABC, NBC, like, it, there are streaming services that put out good shows. So the amount of, like, good content that's out there is just at an all-time high. To a point where I'm not watching shows like um, Handmaid's Tale or uh, Man in the High Castle. You know, shows that I tried, but I'm like, you know, there's so many other good shows out there that it's hard to really, like, keep up with everything. So... Uh, it's really cool to see like that competition driving, and that's why I'm going to watch the award show this weekend for the Golden Globes because uh, I'm very curious to see where they go with some of these. Okay, but outside of that, you know, we got the football playoffs. A uh, couple couple matchups today. You got the AFC matchups. The Titans are going to the Patriots, and you've got uh, the Bills going to Houston Texans. I mean, look, is it is it not the playoffs if the Texans aren't hosting that 4:30 game on Saturday? It's kind of funny how they always draw that one, but I don't know. It, it maybe maybe everyone's used to it now. They're like, all right, we're going to put the AFC South winner on that that day, always. Maybe who knows? Uh, but yeah, so you got those two matchups today, and then you got the Vikings going to the Saints tomorrow, and then you got the Eagles hosting the Seahawks. Uh, I'll, I'll be watching. You know, not that I have any like huge rooting interests at this point. I'm just rooting against the Ravens, who already have a bye. Uh, I don't want to see the Patriots win again, but again, like I said, my number one is just anyone but the Ravens. I don't want to see the Niners win. I think they're really super cocky, and I would like to see them kind of get shut down a little bit. Uh, but again, anyone but the Ravens. Uh, Saints and Seahawks, you know, they've won recently. Same with the Eagles. So don't really want to see them win again, like a second Super Bowl so quickly. Uh, but again, anyone but the Ravens. I think you're getting my drift here. Uh, I would really like to see the Titans uh, or the Bills or the Vikings or the Chiefs, uh, Packers too. I mean, one of those teams would be. I, I'd really enjoy watching them uh, win it all. But I honestly do think this is going to come down to Ravens Niners. Uh, it just looks that way. I know they're both the one seeds, and that never really happens. You know, you usually get an upset here or there. Uh, I just feel like this is a total like shit on Jake football season, and that would be the way that this finishes out. So, uh, but enough for football for now. Got a couple, uh, couple reviews I want to get to. Uh, been watching The Watchmen and The Witcher recently, and I know I just did my awards, and you know, Mandalorian finished up. It was some great shows. Uh, not done with The Witcher yet, though. Would have probably made some noise in in the reviews if I had finished The Witcher. Uh, but then again, you know, people are com comparing it to Game of Thrones. And, uh, guys, we need to slow down. I know the Game of Thrones ended a little, uh, you know, bit of a letdown. And I get that, like, you know, we wanted more out of it. And it was such a long layoff. And 
but Witcher is not Game of Thrones, not yet. Uh, and it's a little sporadic, it's a little all over the place, whereas Game of Thrones, you know, it was a very tight show, very tight. So anyway, a um, couple OMMRs before I let you go today. I got one, two, three, four, five. Perfect. A little five spot. And then I got a special uh, edition OMMR afterwards. Something I'm going to be doing a little differently going forward, and I'm really excited for it. So, without further ado, OMMRs for early January. Starting with Six Underground. Okay, going to make this one quick because uh, this movie, not great. You know, uh... Those like chit chat questions and like, you know, those like conversation starters where it's like, if you had an unlimited budget and 24 hours, what would you do? You know, a lot of people are like, oh, I'd go buy a bunch of cars. And uh, someone would be like, oh, I'd go buy like a house or two or, or book a bunch of vacations. I'd be like, okay, all right, all great. Um, this is Michael Bay's answer is Six Underground. This looked like. He had 24 hours to make a movie, but had an unlimited budget. So he's like, give me helicopters. Give me the explosions and the lens flares. Give me high-paid actors who, you know, people just know. And then I'm going to just shove it all into a plot that I don't have time to write. Six Underground was a mess. First of all, the pacing, and I, I know everyone's been saying this, but it's true. The pacing is terrible of this movie. The first 20 minutes is one chase scene, and it feels like an hour long. Um, and like as cool as some of the stunts are and some of the explosions are and stuff, it's just like I'm, I'm losing steam watching this movie, even though it's a high adrenaline impact, like, you know, high chase movie. It's just like it's boring. Because there's no good plot. And, like, is there a reason they all have to be dead for this? They all have to, like, have, like, zero identity? And why, especially with the billionaire who's like, you know what? I, I made a, you know, I have a billion dollars because of magnets. And uh, now I want to go fight crime and kill myself. Just doesn't really, like, add up. And, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I had some fun. But at the hour point, we paused this movie wondering how long we had to go. And we're a half hour into the movie, or a halfway through the movie, and both Sam and I like rolled our eyes and we're like, "Oh, you got to be fucking kidding me!" There's still an hour left of this movie, Jesus. So uh, that kind of like you know summed that up pretty well. It's like a I can't believe we still have to watch this movie. Uh, so Six Underground, I gave a forty, a forty. Yeah, it's it's not great, but you know what? It's free on Netflix, and they're probably going to report some great numbers on it. All right, this next one is Rise of Skywalker, the, the most recent Star Wars movie. Um, look, I'm not going to be like nerding out and give you a super Star Wars review. I'll just say this. You go to the movies and you want to see a Star Wars movie, it, it's perfect. It's exactly what you want when you go to the movies. You've got the Force. You've got lightsabers. You've got blasters. You've got uh, you know ch uh, chase scenes in space. You've got you know fight scenes in space uh, on top of carriers. You've got a, a ton of nostalgia. Star Wars did everything they their fans want them to do. In terms of making a movie, though, it wasn't good, and it it critically can be torn apart. 
Uh, Star Wars fans are some of the worst fans out there like, because they just stand their stuff so much and they're not very realistic. They're like, oh, well, it's still my favorite movie. I'm like, really? It's not even that good. But, you know, whatever. It's like, you know, the, the grades that they give them. And I get it. Some guy says one thing on screen and all of a sudden he has a backstory on Star Warspedia that's like, you know, generations deep. Whereas, like, you know, I give credit to Game of Thrones for that stuff. But, like, Game of, St Game of Thrones, like, it's actually in books and in the lore. Whereas Star Wars, it's like they're just making Wabba Wabba and, like, you know, just, I don't know. Uh, it, it just, I feel like it's a bit of a stretch. It was uh, it was a fun movie to see, but if I'm gonna be like critiquing and giving it critical grades, uh, Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker, I'm giving a 76. Uh, fun movie to go see, and uh, I thought it had a lot of good things. I thought the Force uh, FaceTiming type stuff that was really cool. I thought Adam Driver was great. Uh, I I could have just used. A little more time. I, I think it's a two and a half hour movie. It should be a three hour movie. They they tried to fit in so much into this finale. Someone said they should have made it a part one, part two. I think that would have been a great idea too. You know, why do you have to stick to it being a trilogy? You could have just made it a part one, part two of the Star Wars finale. And I think that would have gone a long way because they um they, they kind of just were a little frazzled and the beginning they had so many big scenes but they had to zoom right through it and uh i think it would have uh, behooved them to give them a little more time and i thought people overrate john boyega's character like they didn't they never really gave him a lot of depth he's just an ex-stormtrooper who doesn't want to do that anymore and wants to be a good guy also he was like ray i have to tell you something and then never told her like and we never really finished that like thought i don't know I have a lot to critique about it, but overall, if you want a Star Wars movie, if you want to have fun at the movies and enjoy a Star Wars, it's good. It's a good movie. Okay. Ford vs. Ferrari. One of my top movies of the year if you just listen to the Jakey Awards. Uh, this one, I'll just jump right out and say it. Dad movie, Hall of Fame. Airplane movie, Hall of Fame. Uh, Rewatchable. Really cool story. Uh, the car scenes were like really awesome and fun uh i mean christian bale he's always great matt damon's always great so you had that to start with um i love and i thought they could have used more of john berenthal but again like you know he like his character you know he's playing an actual character lee iacocco and uh you know if if they weren't going to force him to be in the movie but he was great josh lucas was great the cast was awesome the story was really cool i didn't know anything about the story going into it so they really caught me off guard in the story. The ending killed me. Um, so spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, as always with my movies, uh, my movie reviews. Uh, Christian Bale dies in a car accident after the big race uh, when he's practicing, which sucked because it was like, you know, the movie was about this race and they still included his death. And I was like, that that's kind of a bummer. But in terms of like the actual race and everything around it, so cool. And it was heartbreaking to see him tie and then technically lose to his own teammate when he could have just lapped him. And it was like the teammates wanted to cross the finish line together and then they gave it to the other guy. Uh, I, I was I was a little speechless. I thought, damn, why couldn't he have just gone in a little bit before the others? And it could have been like he wins by a nose. 
that was heartbreaking to see him lose like that, especially since they worked so hard and they had all the pieces going against them and they slowed down so that the other guys can get close to him so that it could be a Ford, Ford, Ford finish. Um, I don't know. It makes me hate the characters of that movie more and more. But boy, was this movie great. I, I suggest it to anybody. Dad Movie Hall of Fame. Dads are going to love this movie. It's a kingdom come. And uh, I give it a 97. It like it, Very little to critique about this movie. I just can't give it, you know, if you're wondering why isn't it, it a 100. And it's like, well, you know, uh, in terms of just, you know, like the ending and, and, and that bothered me. Also, I heard that there were some things that were like factually incorrect. There weren't huge pieces, but it was like... Lee Iacocco didn't go to meet uh, Enzo Ferrari and, and other things. So, like, they, it, it, you know, embellished a little bit. Nothing like Bohemian Rhapsody embellished, but um, they embellished a little bit. So, 97 out of 100 for Ford for, versus Ferrari. Uh, it's right up there with Marriage Story, with Knives Out, and Jojo Rabbit for Best Movie of the Year. Those four kind of uh, stand alone. And, uh, obviously, if you were listening earlier, Jojo Rabbit, congratulations on Movie of the Year. Uh Okay, last, uh, we're doing a double time, a double movie review. Watched Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, followed by Jumanji, The Next Level. It's pretty good. I, I don't get the criticism. These movies are fun. You go to the movies to have fun sometimes. This is exactly what you want. Just like Star Wars was fun, I felt like Welcome to the Jungle was a, was a really cool, fun movie. And I thought uh, The Next Level was even better uh, some people want it to be a little more like developed from the second one, and I'm like, yeah, I guess, I guess it kind of was the first movie just with some enhancements, but like, it was pretty much the first movie where they go in and they try rescuing someone in the video game, and it's like, I could have used the plot to be slightly different, especially that when they're in Jumanji, it was all about like a stone, uh, and it was like, oh, well, the first one was about a stone, and I was like, all right, so outside of those minor letdowns and I thought the rocks character in the second one where he like had to play Danny DeVito I was like you're overdoing it a little bit but and Kevin Hart and Jack Black were great in both movies I thought the rock was was better in the first one but good in both and uh I really like the group they have going on and, and if you're gonna critique it and criticize it uh because it's like made for kids like yeah well that's what some movies are some movies are made for tweens and teens uh I did, however, have an unfortunate run-in at the movies as in our row, uh, when we were watching The Next Level, the, the most recent one, uh, we had a couple teenagers that were on their phones and making noise, and as they passed me, I did the oldest thing I've ever done, and I said, oh, these kids are off their phones now, good, and one of the girls took exception to that. And Sam kind of rolled her eyes at me because she was like, oh, you got to be kidding me, Jake. And uh, later her she met up with her friends and they were walking behind us cracking jokes about them allowed to be on their phones. And I didn't say anything because, you know, like I, I, sh I shouldn't have said anything in the first place. But, you know, you got like you're going to the movies to watch a movie. Don't go to the movies to socialize with your friends. Don't go to the movies just to check your phone all day. Like everyone else is trying to enjoy the movie, too. So, you know, I don't know. It, it bothered me. I'm glad I didn't have like a face-to-face -face confrontation because that would have just ended poorly for me. I mean, it's 2020. I, I You know, that shit can't happen. But, you know, I, I, I made a comment and uh, I meant it. 
So, uh, the Jumanji movies, if I'm going to give them a grade, I'm giving uh, the first one a uh, 73. And the most recent one, I'm giving a 77. Uh, I thought they're good movies. They're a lot of fun. And uh, I like the acting performances in them. I just could have used a little bit more of a change-up when we went from the first to the second one. Because uh, it seemed like it was just this, the first one repurposed. So uh, that's it for the OMMRs. But I do have a special one. I'm, I, I want to start doing something called the Jake 100 Club. And you haven't heard me review movies and given a 100 to. I've been very close. You know, Joe, like we had four movies this year. Jojo Rabbit, Marriage Story, um, uh, Knives Out, Ford Ferrari that were close to a 100. And then, you know, we had like in terms of Jake scores, Avengers Endgame and John Wick 3, they were exactly what I went to the movies for. So they were almost perfect. But 100 is reserved for special. Like you could have a perfect movie and not get a 100. Special movies are in the 100 Club alone. And it's movies that mark a, hey, you strive to be this in your category. So this week's first induction into the 100 Club is Remember the Titans. Sam and I watched this a couple weeks ago. Everyone knows Remember the Titans. It's one of the best sports movies of all time. I think it is the best sports movie. It handles racism. It handles, a, it's a period piece about the 60s. Um, it's about basically like joining together, um, coming together. It's a great chemistry movie. I, there's not much I can say about Remember the Titans. It's the perfect sports movie. Denzel is amazing in it. Uh, Coach Yost. Yost! He's the man. I, I, I mean, I love Yost. And, uh, obviously, you know, Gosling, you know, before he became the Goss God, he was in this movie and... The cast really hit home on this one. The only thing I don't love about Remember the Titans is they need 75 yards to go in the final play of the game to score the game-winning touchdown. And the state champion coach who averages 8-9 to nine wins a season for the last 30 years decides to yell to his team, cover deep, they're going deep on the uh, with like seconds left. Like, yeah, no shit you should be covering deep. They have 75 yards to go. Now, they didn't end up throwing it, which is kind of funny and ironic that he ended up being wrong, but it's like you should have had a game plan going into that final play. There's a timeout, and they have 75 yards to go with one play. Like, what did you think was going to happen? Come on. I mean, Ed Henry, you're supposed to be the best coach that's ever been. You got to know this. But and the movie, too, with the you're the hall, you're in the Hall of Fame and my book coach, I mean, that gets me to tear up every time, too. Music, the score in that movie is phenomenal, and the soundtrack is phenomenal too. These are all things that lead to a 100 movie score. So remember the Titans, my first admission into the 100 point movie club. Now, I have one more movie review to get to today. And to be honest, I didn't expect this, but you know what? I thought about it for a couple days. Sam and I recently have been watching uh, movies on this 100 movie bucket list that I was talking about that you got me for Christmas. It's a poster with 100 movie titles and a scratch off underneath it where when you watch the movie, you scratch it off and it gives you a picture, you know, recognizing the movie. And in this, 
the first one we watched was Snatch uh, by Guy Ritchie. Awesome movie with a really like like perfect cast. You know, British humor, but very, very, very funny. Uh, it's one of the only movies where I really enjoy Jason Statham. Uh, Brad Pitt is is a wild character in this one. Uh, you've got Dennis Farina, who is hilarious. And then a bunch of guys that, like, I don't know their name, but I know that I love them and everything they're in. Uh, the guy that played Bricktop and the guy that played Bullet Tooth. Uh, and and Lenny, uh, Lenny James, he's in this. You know, from Walking before Walking Dead, he was in this one. And it is such a fun, funny heist movie. And it's so great. Uh, for my nostalgia review, it's so close to putting in the 100 Club that I've thought about it for like three days. I was like, does this go in the 100 Club? It's the perfect heist comedy movie. Like, I don't think you could possibly beat it. The only thing is it's a little slow in the beginning, but that's like, that's the where they develop it. My original grade on, on Snatch was a 98. And I thought to myself, why is it not a 100? You know, it's it's great. It's it, it's good in everything that it does. It's so funny. And that's when I realized it is in the 100 Movie Club. So, Snatch is in the 100 Movie Club. No, no, it's 98. It's so close. It's really that close. But no, no, it's in the 100 Movie Club. You know, it's not in the Hall of Fame. It might be one day. But in terms of the perfect movie, if you're doing like a heist comedy... This is really it. Snatch is hard to beat. And, uh, I mean, it follows such a complex storyline of, you know, it starts off with Benicio Del Toro and, like, a group of thugs robbing uh, a, like, a, a huge-ass 84-carat diamond. And it's basically, the whole movie is either him and his group trying to protect it and bring it home, or other people trying to take it or being paid to take it or getting it to somebody else and it's got a wild storyline yet everything plays out perfectly everything makes it so that i was like i, I asked sam at one point i was like hey do you are you following do, does anything need explaining and she was like no i got this like like it's a good movie it's funny and it's so funny the the british humor sometimes is hard to like swallow but this one was good and uh what can i say snatch is a 100 it's as good as 90s movies can possibly get too because they don't have the same technology and advancements that we have now so uh yeah i'd like to be able to you know have like more of like a you know updated version of it but that's what happens when you make a 90s movie so um anyway that is my rant for the day on uh on the nostalgia reviews on the 100 club and really excited about those uh submissions into uh, this new category that I'm going to have that I'm hopefully going to do every week now. Okay, and finally, guys, I'm sorry. I know I promised you an interview, uh, but again, no interview this week. Uh, I got bounced, but this will come in later uh, in the month. Uh, this isn't a problem. I just uh, It's going to be more football-related anyway, so maybe we'll pick an episode that is more football-related instead of awards and movie and TV-related. So anyway, thanks again for listening to The Jake. Got you two hot new podcasts this week. Really excited about. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoy, and I will talk to you guys later.